This is episode 84 of The Popcast. Welcome to The Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Maureen, welcome back. Welcome to another episode. How are you doing? I am great, honey. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Should we paint a visual picture of what we have going on here? Everyone might remember that I secretly recorded the podcast during my first trimester of this pregnancy laying down because I was so nauseous and tired that when Josh was like, can we please record this after Caleb went to bed? I was like, absolutely not unless I can be horizontal. But then I had to like hold my microphone or like use it. Anyway, I'm now in my third trimester of this pregnancy and um, very healthy and very grateful and baby moves all the time, but I'm getting to be larger than life Backstreet Boys style. So I'm also horizontal because I'm fighting gravity and Josh has set up this beautiful mic stand. I'm laying on the couch and I don't even have to like hold the microphone. It's just like boomed straight to me. Yes. And, and in keeping of the spirit of the podcast, I am still sitting on the floor. Yes. You know, that was the original thing. But Maureen, I, you know, I wanted to make every uh, accommodation for her so she's comfortable and laying down is, is how it's going. And she looks very comfortable right it's, now. I'm, in, I'm delighted. Okay, Maureen, we are in day 17 of self-isolation. We have been doing a pretty good job, I think. H- yes. How do you think it's going? Um, well, given our the fact that we're pregnant and and due in May, we still have a little ways to go, and we are being extremely careful at the recommendation of our doctors and our anxious germaphobe selves. So obviously, we're in the midst of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and yeah, day seventeen. Josh and I have not really gone anywhere. We've done all uh, grocery delivery. We haven't gone to a store or really driven anywhere. Um, We've recently, last weekend, saw my mom for the first time. She has also been completely self-isolating, not seeing anyone and getting everything delivered to her. Um, So after 14 days of her doing that and us doing that, we felt safe enough to see her. So that felt like Disney World, honestly. Like going to my mom's house was like, oh my gosh, a different sink to wash your hands in. We got in the car to go and I felt I felt a little rebellious. Like I was yeah. like, should I be driving right now? I had not driven a car in more than two weeks. You know, and again, we're very blessed. We, we have very small problems compared to what other people are dealing with. But, you know, it has been interesting. But I think and we're doing all this research on, you know, I was reading another article today, but like, We're being, when we say we're being cautious, we're being like very, very extra cautious because, you know, we want me to stay healthy while I'm pregnant and the baby to stay healthy after she arrives. But I mean, like we're leaving our packages in the cardboard boxes outside of the house or we're immediately removing them from the packages once they're delivered and then letting them like stand for 24 hours. We're like wiping down plastics and you know things like that that are delivered to us so anything that enters our home is like going through a quarantine period of its own um, and my mom is also practicing those those strict behaviors yeah so. and if and if you can you, we should we encourage you to do that that's what the experts are saying is going to be the most helpful thing but obviously if you're able to stay at home like we've been saying in the past please do that and again another thank you to anybody who's listening who is on the front lines of this. Oh my gosh, We're we very you grateful. are you are this world's heroes. Like medical professionals, people in the delivery business, those who are working at grocery stores and gas stations and other essential places, we cannot thank you enough for your service to our country and everyone around the world doing this right now. So, we are so grateful. 
Yeah. So let's jump into the snack bag this week. Maureen, you know, all of the entertainment news is sort of centered around this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. And one of the things that I saw, that it actually came out before we recorded the last episode, but I forgot to talk about it and I just shared it with you. So before I tell you what the public reaction was to this, I want to get your reaction. For those who don't know, Gal Gadot, who is the star of Wonder Woman, uh, she recorded this thing on her Instagram. She sang part of John Lennon's Imagine, and she got a bunch of celebrity people to sing along with her. She basically set it up saying, I saw this in Italy. This guy played his his trumpet for on his balcony for people in Italy, and you know it was so moving, and I thought I would want to share that with you. So she gathered her, herself and all of her friends in isolation, and they all sang it, and someone cut it together. So Maureen, what was your reaction to this? I had many reactions. I mean, first of all, I will say overwhelmingly, we need a lot of good content like this right now. So like, I think it's overwhelmingly positive. It was very sweet. I think I really liked seeing these movie stars without makeup on, like on cell phone quality videos, like holding them up as selfies. Like, it's nice. Like, I think one of the benefits of this if you can even say one of the benefits of this pandemic, obviously the whole thing is horrible. But if you're looking for a silver lining, I think the fact that we are all reminded that we're equally human has been really uplifting in ways. So seeing that in her video was nice. I will say that there are some like, I mean, you like go through the series of like people kind of every couple of words switching and you're like, ah, who is that? Or like, ah, Will, Will Ferrell looks particularly Einstein crazy-ish. Um, so it's just, it was kind of jarring in that way. But funny, I thought it was overall uplifting content. So I will say the public reaction has been pretty negative to this. Not not what? because- not Like because, they're making fun of it? Yeah, I think I think it's in two, in two places. First, half the people who are in it can't really sing and they I might be- They might be actually tone deaf. But the other- the other reason that people don't like this is because it might be tone deaf in the sense that you have all these celebrities in their very large houses and mansions, very comfortably taken care of, singing the song about, you know, being isolated. And and really, in terms of who has it the worst, they are, they're not even on the short list. And I think the inspiration being from this guy in Italy who's stuck in his apartment, who plays it for his neighbors on his balcony, that holds a different meaning than a bunch of millionaires getting together and doing it. So I, I can see both I sides. I mean, I get that, but I don't think that any of these millionaires were trying to take away from the man's struggle in Italy. I think they were all just trying to... No, I, I'm with you. I think that I can see both sides of it, but it's, it's just interesting that the reaction has been pretty swift. I mean, people aren't calling calling for it to be taken down, but you know, I think the reaction has been sort of a little bit like, Come on, guys. There are people who are struggling to put food on the table, and you're just like, let's just all get together and be one one people. It's like it's easy. To, it's easier to say that when you are a millionaire in a mansion. Well, maybe what they should have done is said like, donate here at the end, or like we've all donated. Yeah, yeah, that would have been good. Thousand dollars or hundred thousand. You could have been the PR person for this. I really should have been. I'm up for hire, you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm working <laughs> full time remotely, so please don't hire me for anything. I have no time for you. Did I say her name right? What? How? Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot? I don't, I don't know how to say it. I don't know. I think everyone knows who you're talking about. Yes. Wonder Woman. Okay, Maureen, our second snack bag topic. This is just sort of a general entertainment thing. But, you know, since this whole pandemic thing has happened, obviously all the late night shows have been shut down. All of, like, every concert has been shut down. You know, there's no there's no entertainment that you can Theater go to. Is all, Theater is Theater, everything. Really suffering. So 
what people have started to do, and and one of my t- my teaser for last week was this Broadway thing that people, the Broadway stars, are getting together online and singing songs and raising money, and it seems like a lot of the late night hosts are doing the same thing. They're all starting their shows back up again, basically from their homes, so they'll have their writers and stuff work remotely and send jokes in, and then they'll they'll film it at home, and it'll be a shortened version. But you know, most of the late night hosts have been doing this. I've seen, I can't count the number of of musicians who've gotten on. Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever and played music. And, you know, I think it's cool that all of these people are doing this, but I really like there's something about the quality of all of this stuff that is just so low. And it made me think, you know, like we record a podcast in our basement. We are not professionals in this area. And we managed to make a podcast that sounds like pretty good audio quality. That's because you do a tremendous amount of work. Yes, but but, I mean, besides the fact that I'm putting in some work to editing and putting it together, like we have a recorder, we have two microphones, but just based on those small things, which are not that expensive, we're able to produce something that sounds pretty good. I just don't understand why these celebrities... Because the celebrities have teams of people who produce things that sound good for them. They don't know how to do it. Right, but they, you, you couldn't send like Jimmy Fallon a microphone and a recorder and say, Jimmy, here's how you use it, and then he could have... He would probably have to leave it in his garage quarantined for three days <laughs> until the COVID came off. Okay, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's my point. They have teams of people. Couldn't you like figure out a way, if you're going to go this route, to produce something that is like somewhat professional instead of... Now, look, I'm not knocking people who are making content on cell phones or whatever. Like, that's fine. But when it's like this supposed to be these professional productions with teams behind it, it just seems like, can't you figure out how to make it look and sound a little bit better? I guess I had a totally different reaction because I just don't care. Like, I just don't. The quality is but it, the quality is what it is. It doesn't matter. It's just about get, it's about the content. Like for once, it's not about the marketing of something or the promotion of something or the production of something or the hashtags or the whatever. It's about the fact that if we don't do this, there will be a void of art. Yeah, and I, and I will say the the positive of all of all of this is that they're all raising money for things. So for example, Jimmy Fallon has been doing this little mini 15 minute episode that he does every day and it's cute and he is raising money for a different charity every night. I think that part of it is great. I will just say that it's hard to watch a long segment of something that feels very unproduced. You know, it's like five minutes, sure. But like 15, they're starting to stretch to like 15, 20 minutes. They're, They're interviewing celebrities over... Over like Zoom. When we watch Mass, okay, it's like I I know, but there's one production that has like eight camera angles, and Josh has marveled at like, ooh, look at this! Like this is really easy to watch. But we are so trained with like what's on Netflix and Hulu and mainstream TV these days that like, if you have one static shot of something, I I mean I I understand where my only point is that these these people with a lot of money and a lot of resources even in a pandemic should be able to figure something out so that it's not slapped together that that's my only critique of it i think the content is fun i think it's cool to see some of these things if if you wanted to see jimmy fallon every night and you normally watch him like our loyal listener michelle thanks for listening michelle then you'll probably love this but for me who is just a casual viewer this is not something that's going to draw me in i think what josh is saying is jimmy fallon if you're interested in starting a podcast josh would like to edit it for you and he's available for hire so you really could start a podcasting editing empire here yeah i could i will say i will say the the one that suffers the most i think is music because 
when you get people playing music or singing music and you're over like a Zoom connection that is just not stable, it, it sort of takes away from that part of the art. And I will say the one that I saw that was seemingly well produced in terms of the sound quality at least was Verizon is doing this thing to raise money for small businesses. And the first one they did was Dave Matthews. And so I tuned in because I'm a big fan of Dave Matthews, but for some reason, wherever he was in his home in Washington state, he had some sort of professional audio set up because the sound was very clear. Now the video looked pretty terrible, but when you're listening to music, you can just close your eyes or tune out and you don't really need to look at the picture. So that was a, that was a positive. So I'm hoping that others will the longer this goes on, that others will sort of take note of that. If they're going to be in their homes for a long time, then they probably should invest in something that will allow them to produce produce good content at home. I think John Oliver, too, he's doing a more professional version of his show while maintaining safe distances from other people and everything like that. Is he still like in that. that like fake studio thing? I think he's in a some he might be in something different, but he he put out another episode last night. We're recording this on Monday, a day late and a dollar short of our normal release and Okay, but that's only cuz we were recording something extra special last night. Yeah, we'll talk about it next Stay week on the podcast. Yeah, t- we'll talk about that next week on the podcast. But he you know appears to have a little bit more of a professional setup. So anyway, we'll see what happens. I guess most of these people are going back into production as best they can. And so it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. All right, Maureen, should we move on to our premiere topic this week? Yes. So this was inspired by something that I saw in the news. We are celebrating the 15-year anniversary of something. Today, we are talking about one of the biggest comedy hits of the past 20 years, which premiered 15 years ago in March 2005. Of course, I'm talking about NBC's The Office. The show was created by Greg Daniels and based on a British show of the same name, which was created by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Though the British version only ran for 12 episodes and three specials, the American version ran for nine seasons and 201 episodes. When the American version premiered, it was nearly a copy of the British version, so much so that Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant even got writing credit on the very first episode, because I think it's almost word for word the same. But after the American version's short first six-episode season, it sort of blades its own trail and went off to become one of the most popular shows on television. So, Maureen, you watched some of it when it was on. Is that right? Give me give me your background on The yeah. Office. So I was never a loyal Office fan. I did not come on at the beginning of the bandwagon. It started when I was in college, and I was in college long enough ago that like we didn't have streaming services. And you didn't or... have a TV, right? Or you did have a TV in the common room, maybe? Uh, the TV in the common room did not have cable. We had like what, what was TV through like our university's internet, which was like a handful of channels. Let's just say we weren't watching TV a lot, um, which was nice, man. Simpler days. So I missed like the whole like ramp up of like it becoming really popular. I then proceeded to like watch a handful of episodes. I think I had a couple of friends who were really into it. So I watched episodes here and there. I definitely remember the drama around Jim and Pam and will they, won't they. But I was getting this all secondhand through people rather than watching it. And then maybe like two years ago, Josh suggested like, oh, maybe you should watch The Office. Like I was looking for something to watch like when I went to the gym for like 20 minutes or like just to stream something. Because it's on Netflix for yeah. now, at least through 20, at the, the end of this year, I think. Then it's going to move to NBC's streaming platform. Okay, um, continue. So I started watching it, but the first, I watched maybe like the first season and part, most of the second season, like in a row chronologically via streaming. And it bummed me out, man. Like I didn't find it very uplifting or like, funny I found it kind of sad funny and I think because I work in an office 
like in a corporate environment during normal circumstances, not pandemic. I don't know. It, it just reminded me of the bad parts of an office, even though my office is nothing like that um, and wasn't at the time. But like, I don't know. Michael Scott was unbearable at the beginning. I think there's a lot that doesn't hold up today, 15 years later. Like in those first two seasons, he's very misogynistic and makes a lot of inappropriate comments toward women, which now after the Me Too movement would just not be tolerated. So I don't know. I had a hard time with it and kind of like let it go. But recently for this podcast episode, Josh was like, oh, well, I can show you some good episodes of it. And we watched some of the later episodes and they are really enjoyable and funny. Like I think once the show settles into itself. So I don't know. I I don't know that I'll be going back and like watching every single one, but maybe I'll just like start at season five and go from there. Yeah, so I think that I watched most of the show when it aired. I can't remember when I initially picked up, but it started when I was a senior in high school and then you know, continued throughout my college days. I can't remember when it was that I first, you know, like watched it straight through. But I know that at a certain point in college, I was watching regularly because I remember watching the... Did you have TV in college? Yeah, I had TV. I had a TV in my room. It was a very small TV. I did my, like senior year when I was living in an apartment, we had cable. Okay, yeah. You were just more advanced than I was. Yeah, I had, I had TV. And I think by that point, they started releasing the DVDs and I had Netflix DVDs. So mm. I would rent the DVDs through that. Or I also had a library card and got DVDs from the library and watched, watched that way. So I was very much into the show. I watched it uh, all the way until it finished. You know, Steve Carell left the show and... He did? Yeah. So the last did he come couple back? No, he didn't come back. So the last couple of seasons, maybe he left later than that. I don't remember. But he definitely was not on for the end of the show. And I read recently that that was actually not his... He didn't want to leave the show. He basically said, I'm ready to renegotiate my contract and, and sort of stick it out through the end. But there was a changeover with the head of NBC who didn't really like the show. And he didn't really want to pay Steve Carell a lot of money. But because by that point, Steve Carell was a pretty famous movie star as well. So they basically said, no, nah, we'll just move on without you. And the show, I think, suffered as a result of him not being there. Because as Maureen said, he's a little bit hard to take. But I think when he's paired with all of the other characters, yeah. he sort of balances out at a certain point in the series. So, you know, I think it was a loss to have him leave. He did come back for the very last episode in a, sort of a cameo role. But I guess... Like, what is your opinion of the show? Did, I mean, you, you said you liked it, but... I think it's a very worthwhile show. I think it entertained millions and millions of people. It maybe isn't like my favorite show ever, but I certainly can find the entertainment value in it. And I think it was really... Like, they have an amazing cast of characters that they assemble throughout all the seasons, which I think was really fun. Yeah, I will say that... I think the show is very good, and the way I've described the show is it's not my favorite comedy ever. I will say it has some of the strongest individual seasons that of, of any comedy, and I would put that up against pretty much anything else. You know, like season two, three, four, five are really good, I think, and then it sort of fades off. I think the problem with season one, though it has some moments, is that it did take directly from this British version of The Office, and I don't think that sense of humor really carried across the pond. And so you get a very coarse Michael Scott, the Steve Carell character. And while that might have played well in England, it did not play well here. And so they sort of purposefully changed his character starting in season two and then moving forward, which I think you can sort of see when we went back and rewatched the pilot. And while there are funny moments in the pilot, Michael is very hard to 
to like take seriously. Like he's so goofy. He's very misogynistic. He's got this slicked back hair. And by the end of season one and moving into season two, they get rid of all of that. And he's still a goofball. I mean, not and he's all of that. Okay. But... They get rid of some of it and they start to phase it out. And you know, like he has very real moments of connection with some of the other characters and some really like nice moments too. So Maureen, I want to ask you, who is your MVP of the show? If you had to pick a character or a, an aspect of the show that you would pick as your MVP, who would you say? I mean, probably Jim. I think he's the most consistent. He's so funny. He's like the classic straight man, but he's also the romantic lead. And he's also kind of goofy. I mean, they have him in this goofiest haircut I've ever seen. It looks like our sons right now after like two weeks of quarantine. <laughs> I don't know. I just think he's like charming and redeemable like he is a good soul and a lot of the other characters don't get that depth yeah no i was gonna say jim as well and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that he's the straight person in the show so all of the other characters can be very eccentric and and you know off the wall but you know just for a counterpoint i would also say i like pam too and she's the other half of that romantic relationship with Jim. And I think that she has a lot of depth in her character and has a lot of growth too, which you don't often see in sitcoms. You know, a lot of times characters will advance and then they'll fall back and then they'll advance again and they'll come kind of come back to where they were at the beginning. But she has this idea that she wants to be an artist in the first season. You even get that in the pilot, I think. And then, you know, in some shows, you might not see that through. But by the end of the show, she's sort of doing that, at least for you know, personal reasons. And so I think that she has a nice character arc as well. I I will just say that like something about this is making me want to compare it to Parks and Rec, which is a similar like 30 minute, very silly, like all these people work together. And Parks and Rec is probably even more unbelievable than The Office. But for some reason, that show just felt happier to me. Yeah. There's something about the office that like there's this underlying sense of just like dread and sadness of like selling paper. I, I don't know. Like, no, no, in, I, in I'm Parks totally and Rec, with you. You have like the fearless leader is Leslie Nope, who like believes in like society and and parks and people. And I think that the underlying, you know, for a while it's Michael Scott in the office and like he doesn't believe in anything. I, I don't know how to explain it. There's just this like underlying sense of like it's poking fun at you know modern i don't even know if you can call this corporate america but the office like structure in a way that is a little too real maybe no i'm know. with you and I, I when i say that i don't think this is my favorite comedy i think that parks and rec is a much better show overall like i would pick that any day over the office i just think the office has like if you put the best season of the office up against the best season of Parks and Rec, I think the office might come out on top, but overall show wise, I I'm in agreement. I like Parks and Rec more. So maybe we'll talk about that sometime. I will say that, you know, the thing about Parks and Rec was that it had a similar problem in the first season where the character of Leslie Nope was very abrasive and and, you know, like hard to take seriously as a lead character. But what they did on that show that's different than The Office is that instead of rewriting the character of Leslie Nope, they kept her the same, but had everybody else react differently to her. So I think what they did in The Office is that they wrote the character of Michael Scott a little bit differently to sort of tone him down. But on the Parks and Rec, instead of changing Leslie Nope, they just changed how everybody else reacted to that's her. An interesting so point. that so that you know, in the first season where she was sort of gung-ho about, you know, the Parks Department and basically the first season of Parks and Rec is about her wanting to fill in this big hole in their community with dirt because it's a, a hazard, you know, like instead of making fun of her for that, people 
who she worked with cared about her and cared about what she wanted to do. So I think that was a more successful adjustment of character. Parks and Rec was actually supposed to be a spinoff of The Office originally, but they sort of did away with that pretty quickly. And there was one carryover. Rashida Jones was on The Office from, I think, like partway through season two. She ended up leaving The Office and then went to Parks and Rec to do that instead. All right, Maureen, least valuable player of the show. Anybody stand out to you as sort of anybody or anything stand out to you as sort of like the least valuable aspect of the show. I'll kick this off by saying that one of the things I don't really love about the show watching it back now is that The Office is done in a mockumentary style of a TV show. And I don't really love the like talking head part of the show, basically like the interview part. And I think it's just because that stuff is not really character driven at all. It's very joke driven. And if the jokes don't land, those moments feel like totally pointless to me. Yeah, I would maybe have to say like my least valuable player is like all of the tertiary characters that actually last for many, many seasons, but like don't get a lot of depth and kind of just still have their same like goofy, like, yeah, they're very Kevin is dumb and like doesn't dress well. And I mean, like that was even what season is the wedding that you have to watch? And he's still like the same. Yeah. No, that's true. I think that's probably true of most sitcoms where like the very tertiary characters don't have a lot of character depth. And I think that that's especially true of The Office. And it, I think when used in small doses, those things can work well. But when they start to give them A or B plots in the show, it's a little bit hard to take seriously. All right. So would you recommend The Office to someone who's never seen it? I can't imagine anybody listening to this has never seen an episode, but it's possible. Yes, I would. Would you recommend they start with season one or maybe at least start with the pilot and then maybe skip ahead? I would say watch season one like while you're multitasking, like do some scrapbooking or like clean out a closet that you've always wanted, like have it on in the background or like just to get to know the characters and then hopefully you'll be into it by the time season two rolls around. Season one is only six episodes, so it's not a slog. It's not like a 24 episode season that you have to get through. So I would recommend it as well. And, you know, I think... To Maureen's point, some of the content is not necessarily held up, you know, in terms of the comments that mainly Michael Scott makes. But I would say a lot of the jokes are still really funny outside of those. Like, just the situational comedy. It's a very funny show. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's move on to our teasers to wrap this episode up. And I will start because my teaser is is a nice segue from The Office, but it's something that I saw that I, I really enjoyed. I've been trying to think, what are some like really enjoyable, entertaining, fun, good news things that I could share as my teaser since most of us are dealing with you know, a difficult times for whatever reason? So I saw this thing come across on YouTube today when I was um, you know, browsing, and it's this news show hosted by John Krasinski that he's doing from his home. It's 15 minutes long. It's called Some Good News. And basically, he solicited all of his fans for good news from around the world. So really anything, you know, like people who are making the best out of a bad situation. And then he shared the news on this little talk show that he's doing in some room in his house. How is the production quality? It's okay. It's not great. <laughs> That's, you know, whatever. If he keeps doing it, I hope he invests in a microphone. You know, the the picture quality is fine, but get a microphone and you'll be great. So it's just really nice. And it's very heartwarming. There's lots of really great stories from around the country, around the world of people who are really persevering through these hard times. You know, there's, he did this one story in, in this thing where 
he shared about this 15-year-old girl who had just done her last chemotherapy treatment, and she drove home from the hospital, and all of her friends and family lined the street in their cars, and they had their windows rolled down, and they clapped and cheered for her as she drove to her house. And then he interviewed her on his show, so he got on like a Zoom call with her. And it was just, it's just really sweet, and Mm -hmm. it's a very uplifting thing. On the first episode, he also talked to Steve Carell, and they chatted about some of their favorite memories from The Office. And it's just a fun thing. And I think he's going to keep doing it. So I will link the channel on, you know, on YouTube in the show notes so you can check it out. It's definitely worth 15 minutes if you're looking for something that's going to sort of uplift you. All right, Maureen, what is your teaser for this week? So my teaser is twofold and unconventional, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So I would like to challenge everyone to find a non like TV or media, not news source, but like outlet that you really enjoy following. So for example, I really enjoy following this blog called M for Marvelous, E-M for F-O-R Marvelous. And it's just this girl, now woman, who I've been kind of following for years. I think I originally came across her through Southern Weddings, and now they're Cultivate What Matters as a company. But she works full-time and is a mom. And just I resonate with her in terms of, like, values about money and, like, you know, prioritizing family and, like, doing good work in the world. And she writes a blog that, like, always makes me feel good. Even if it's talking about something that's hard or sharing a unique perspective or something that I may not agree with, I challenge you to find something, especially in this time of self-isolation, that you can go to that feels like a kindred spirit, that feels like something like familiar, like home. Maybe it's rewatching your old favorite TV show. Maybe that's even The Office. Or maybe it's a blog or whatever. But Something that makes you feel a little bit like you can take a breath and slow down. So I I would encourage you to, I mean, certainly check out my favorite blog. She's wonderful. Um, But also look for other resources. And the other thing I want to say is one of the experiments she's done with herself that has really resonated with her that I'm trying this week is, especially right now, when we're all home and we're all on social media all the time. There are really good things that come out of that, like connection and sharing, you know, your kids with your family or connecting with college friends or whatever it may be. But it's also really nice not to be on there and reading what everyone else is doing about the coronavirus and COVID-19. So this week, I'm taking a break from social media and just not going on it this week. And I'm just going to see how that makes me feel. Because I've been having a lot of really positive experiences with it lately. But it's also felt like a lot, like a lot of noise and a lot of buzzing and a lot of activity. So I challenge you to either find one time of day where you're going to check in for 15 minutes, set a timer, do it, and then let it go or take an extended break if you feel like that would be good for you. But just maybe challenge yourself and, and see what that does. I've found myself, even though we're home and doing less, wanting to quiet some of the noise if that makes sense. And I think that this is the perfect time to do it um, in whatever way that that makes sense for you. So that's my long-winded teaser. 
All right, that'll do it for this week. Thank you guys so much for joining. We look forward to coming at you next week with a new episode. Until then, stay safe. Take care. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting in our basement with a brand new episode. Talk to you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. Sounded so aggressive. We're coming at you next week with an all new episode. We're coming at you. All right. We'll see you next week. Well, we won't see you. We'll talk to you next week. We will be six feet away from you for sure next week.